Today's scripture text comes from uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. This is the word of the Lord. Once again, we have another short sermon text, a text that really spoke to me and said, why did the writer of Hebrews choose this moment of faith, this occurrence in Jacob's life? We saw the, the background and the story of it in the Old Testament scripture reading in Genesis chapter 48. We see that Joseph comes to an ailing father, a father that has a hard time seeing. His eyes are getting weak, and he can't even make out who his grandsons are. And that story is the one that the writer of Hebrews focuses on. Jacob had many moments in his life, many events where the writer of Hebrews could have focused. I think there's 12 chapters in Genesis that are dedicated to Jacob, more than most of the other fathers. And so this is the one text, this is the one moment in Jacob's life that the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand, wants us to know, wants us to see something special about faith. Jacob, in his life, he had a lot of moments of faith. He had a lot of important, very significant, more, uh, more entertaining stories, if you will, more glamorous stories that really seemed like they would get to the point. Jacob, when he was growing up, he was able to buy his birthright from Esau, buy Esau's birthright. He deceived his father Isaac and had basically Isaac bless him instead of Esau. He also had the famous story, the Jacob's Ladder, where Jacob is being sent out of his, his father's land because Esau wanted to kill him for taking his birthright, for having that blessing. And so he was leaving and he was going to the place of his father, his mother's brother's house. And on his way there, he saw, fell in a dream and he saw angels descending up and down a ladder. But that's not the place that the writer of Hebrews focuses on. He doesn't even focus on the time when Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God all night that at that moment... His name is changed from Jacob to Israel. When we read in chapter 48, it kept speaking about a person named Israel, speaking about Jacob. Jacob was renamed to Israel because what his name meant was supplanter. He was one who deceived and schemed and went through all kinds of ways of getting what others had, just as he did with Esau. But in that night when he wrestled with God, his name was changed to Israel because he struggled with God and man and he had overcome. He was no longer seen as a supplanter, as one who uses devices and schemes to get what he wants. He was one that would overcome because he would wrestle with what is it that God is having him to do and what is it that he's afraid of man how does man get the power of him? In that moment, Israel 
became someone who trusted God. So that seems like a very fitting place that the writer of the Hebrews would go. So it's really important, and by God's grace, we'll see today why is it that the writer of Hebrews chooses this event in Jacob's life. I think the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us something about faith. He's trying to tell us that faith is not just simply a momentary event where we've looked upon Jesus or we've looked upon the promises of God and said, I I believe that. I think what he's trying to tell us about faith is that it's a life. It's a life. It's not just a solitary event. It's just not a moment where we come to our senses. It's where we live in trusting and depending upon God. Christians throughout all of time have come to know this beautiful secret. The life of faith. The life of faith is just not a moment of belief in a vacuum. We do great harm to the scriptures when that's where we think that light, what faith is. But faith is a lifetime of belief. Belief that is not mere wishful thinking or fatalistic hope, but a belief that is the conviction of the heart's mind and will. Consider what one of the the Christians of old had to say, a Presbyterian minister by the name of John Flavel. He wanted us to understand that faith is so much more than the effects of that faith. Belief is an effect of faith. Conviction is an effect of faith. But going forward and doing things that are impossible is an effect of faith. But what this minister wants us to know is that faith is something more. Notice these words and how he gets our understanding to be reoriented. The soul is the life of the body. Faith is the life of the soul. And Christ is the life of faith. Faith is much more than just an outward expression. Faith is an eternal, an internal life. A life that we have because it is joined to the ultimate life, Christ Jesus. Faith that is just simply believing and wishing and hoping for the best and saying, well, you know, I believe there's a God, so I'm just going to hope that there is a God, but there is no certainty. That's not what the life of Jacob is showing us here. That's not the life of faith that Jacob is being shown in, according to the writer of Hebrews. Jacob is living a life with a great certainty. Not a certainty in what he does, but he is being given a certainty because he has a new disposition of life, a disposition of life that he had from the very beginning. And what does that mean? He has a tendency to desire life. He has a movement from within that's moving his soul, the way he thinks, the way he loves, the affections, the way he does things, the way that he wills that is moving with the life, with the conviction towards Christ Jesus. That's why that song that we just sung is beautiful. That we're clinging to Jesus because he's clinging to us. Jesus' union of his life to us, if we be his people, if we have come to Christ 
in faith and trusted in him. We could only hold on to him because he's holding on to us. He brings us and he draws us by this new life that he gives us that works its way out in a profession, in a confession, in a belief, in a conviction, in humility, that it becomes life in us, that it becomes life in us. So the writer of Hebrews is focusing on Jacob's life of faith that has reached the culmination of all his life. When we leave this world, if we be those that by God's blessing that we have been able to live the life of faith, faith's not needed anymore. When you're in eternity, you have perfect sight. But here on this earth, God gives you faith, gives you the life so you can see the unseen now. That you can see the eternities. You can glimpse the realities of the eternities now upon this earth. That's a great blessing that the children of God have. That's a great blessing that those who, all those who come into faith that belongs to you. It's given to you out of the Father's good love. There's none that are disqualified. We see in chapter 48, Jacob was in a moment of weakness. But that didn't disqualify him from having the blessing or giving the blessing. Because he doesn't come by Jacob's strength. He doesn't come by Jacob's wisdom. What's the writer of Hebrews say he comes by? Faith. Faith. An ability to see the unseen. That's what the beginning of Hebrews 11 tells us. That faith is the evidence of the unseen. The substance of things hoped for. The confidence. It gives us certainty that what we can't see is true. That's what all the world's looking for is, God, are you true? And if you really are what the Bible says, do I really want that? Do I really want a God that demands such a holiness and a justice and can't stand sin, but yet I close my eyes to his mercy, to his love, and to his grace? Jacob had come to the knowledge of both. He had come to see that in the life of faith, you are brought to see Christ Jesus. You are brought to cling to Christ Jesus. That doesn't disqualify you being weak. When you're weak, that doesn't disqualify you. Your weakness, your frailty, your sickness, if you were already made well, then you don't need a Savior. But if life is not what you think it is, You see that you're failing no matter how good your efforts are and how much you try. Then you're focusing and you're living and you're trying in the wrong way. Those who try in faith, those who do in faith are those that cling to Christ because Christ is clinging to him. So I think as we look at what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying that Jacob had reached the culmination of the reality. Of faith. He was coming to the end of his life where he was going to pass from this world into another world where faith isn't needed because you have perfect sight. But faith in this world gives us a glimpse, gives us an understanding of eternity now. And so what we see is that when Jacob was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped 
as he leaned on the top of his staff. So what Jacob had was the sight of faith. He had a new sight. We've heard the verse that we are to live by faith, not by sight. That doesn't mean a Christian doesn't have sight. That means a Christian sees in a different way. He sees things, he, she sees things in a way that is different from the way that she once saw them. We see things in a way, of, we see things differently. We see what we see differently. We don't just simply turn our gaze or turn our vision or turn our sight upon what we can see in this world. We do what we're told in Hebrews and we look away unto the author, to the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that no matter what happens in this world, he has done it all. He has done it all. And so, yes, I'm going to fall, but I can be assured I never lose. I can see that I'm not going to have every victory in this world that I want because I have the ultimate victory that I need. And so Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessing. It's the culmination of our faith. And you're saying, well, Jacob doesn't speak about that here. The whole book of Hebrews is about seeing the primacy of Jesus Christ. And what Jacob comes to see in the blessings of his sons, his grandsons, is he sees the ultimate reality of the blessing of God that will be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So this life of faith, this life of faith helps us gain sight of God's blessings. So I hope today what we'll talk about are those three things. How does faith give us sight of God's blessing? First, faith provides clarity. Provides clarity. Second, faith challenges our desires. And third, faith encourages our worship. I think all three of those points are here in what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Faith is showing us something that we couldn't see without it. It wouldn't be clear. It wouldn't be clear. And so the question really is, is do we always see God's blessings clearly? Was Jacob just a man of faith at this moment? Or had he been a man of faith all of his life? When you become a Christian, are you only a Christian at that moment of faith? And when you finally can see it all clearly, you can say, yeah, I've arrived. Is that really what the Bible teaches about faith? Because many think that once I come to belief in Jesus, I'm going to see everything. I'm going to have perfect vision. That faith that I have now, I'm going to have 20-20 vision. Everything will be seen clearly. And so we want to ask, what, is the, what does Moses say in Genesis 48? Does he say to us that those who come to faith, that Jacob saw everything clearly? And I have to say, I think he says yes and no. Where we encounter Jacob, he's on his bed. He's in his weakness. And his grandsons are coming to him to be blessed because he's dying. He's in a weak estate. And he can't even make out who his grandsons are. 
And he asks Joseph, who are these? Who are these boys? And Joseph tells him, these are my sons. Because he can't see. He doesn't have visible sight that's strong enough. But what we're going to see is he has clarity by faith. Because what he's going to do is he's going to bless the sons with certainty. He's not going to waver in what he is doing and what he is saying to Joseph's sons. He's going to do it with confidence. And so the way that Jacob would see the blessings of God is not only in his son Joseph, but in his grandsons. And so that tells us that what faith is, it's not perfect, visible, natural sight. We don't live life saying, well, God wants me to be wealthy. God wants me to be wise. God wants me to have a good life. God wants me to have a new car. God, doesn't, God wants me to have this thing. Wants me to have perfect health. That's not what the word of God says about the life of faith. And because I can see it, then I believe it, right? Much of, much of the philosophy of the world is, boy, if I can see something, then I'll believe it. I'll know it with certainty. Show me the evidence or show me the reality or show me the money that I will look and see with certainty. I'll believe that is mine when I can see it. But faith doesn't say that. Faith doesn't say, look at the things, Faith says to us, look at the one who gives. Look at the one who is God, who is the sovereign king. Faith, you can see with Jacob, you can see it all through his life. He didn't have perfect sight of God's blessings. He knew what was told to him by his fathers. He knew what was told to him by God. But he desired the blessing, what came with the blessing. More than understanding what is it that God is really doing here? What is God really doing in my life? Is God wanting me to have this so I can declare it and claim it? When if I'm so weak and unable to even see what that blessing is, how can I possibly declare and claim it? Jacob comes and he sees the blessing of God. He reaches the culmination of his life of faith. And he comes in a moment of weakness through the frailty of his eyes, seeing he doesn't have 20-20 vision naturally. And he blesses the sons of Joseph. How do you know this, those were Joseph's sons? Joseph told them. He couldn't see them clearly. But he blesses them anyways. And what we see here is that what faith, in order to have clarity, it must be reinforced and strengthened. That's what was happening in Jacob's life all the way up to this point. He would go through specific events so that the life, the sight of what he was seeing could be reinforced and strengthened. Think about when you go to the eye doctor. <clears throat> and if you're like me, you go through an exam and the eye doctor puts lenses in front of your eyes and says to you, is this better, worse, or about the same? They're looking for a way to reinforce your sight. You have sight, but it's not clear. It's not distinct. It's weak. It's not that you can't see. If I was blind, 
to put lenses in front of my eyes would be of no benefit. It would have no purpose whatsoever. But when the doctor puts the lens in front of my eyes and changes the strength and adjusts the strength, he's reinforcing the sight I already have. And so that's kind of like the picture of what's going on in Jacob's life of faith. He is to see God's blessing through the eyes that have been reinforced by the strength, by the strengthening of God's design. Jacob goes through one trial after the next trial after the next trial. And as he's coming, he's being brought to bow and submit to God. That's what he does at the end of his life. He bows before God and worships him. And so Jacob had his eyes strengthened and reinforced by the events that God brought into his life. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, look at the culmination. It's basically what Stan's been saying over the last couple of weeks. It's not where it begins, it's where it ends. But the end, okay, for the child of God, for one who has cast all their cares and cling to Christ Jesus, it isn't an end. It's eternity <laughs> that doesn't end. Everything that you thought you wanted on this earth temporally, that the earth can offer you, that this world can offer you, it has no value compared to what God has in store for us. That's what we read today. There's a great, just the weight, the abundance of what is in Christ Jesus. We can't imagine it, but Jacob saw it. Jacob saw it. He saw it because God strengthened his eyes through hardships, through wealth, through times of joy, times of pleasure, and through fear, through wrestling, that he would come to see that the blessings that I'm looking for, because that's what Jacob would demand many times, Give me my blessing is in the God who blesses. And so I think we can conclude that walking by faith, it's not perfect physical sight. So we just need to get that out of our mind. We're not going to see perfectly. But we can see clearly because we see the blessings of God. Another way that was demonstrated was in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus heals the blind man at Bethsaida. His friends bring him to Jesus and he's blind and he wants to see. They want him to see. So Jesus takes him by the hand, leads him out of the city of Bethsaida, spits in his eyes, rubs his hands, over his sight, over his eyes. And Jesus asked him, what can you see? And the man says, I see people like trees walking. He had just been healed by the sovereign of all creation, but yet he couldn't see perfectly. That's the picture of faith. But then, what does Jesus do? Rubs his eyes a second time. What do you see? I see clearly. I see clearly. The work of faith, the sight of faith, doesn't begin with perfect sight. 
It must be healed by the hand of Jesus throughout your life and strengthen and reinforce. And sometimes that prescription has to get adjusted and hone in further and further on the things I can't see. Sometimes you have to get transition glasses. You have to get glasses where I can only see certain ways at certain depths. And when those things are kind of off balance, then all your sight's blurry until you're reoriented by faith to see things rightly. And so that's the life. That's the sight of faith. So we shouldn't give up when we're not seeing things clearly. We should be encouraged to go to Christ for more healing. Cling to Christ who heals us perfectly. He has gone before us that we can go with him. The picture of Jacob's ladder. He's the way he comes down to earth that he can take us into heaven. That ladder is not disconnected from earth. That's the message of God's salvation and the person of Christ Jesus that comes here to earth that we can receive that message and return to him. To see the praise and the glory of Christ Jesus. And what the word of God is really instructing us to do is see more than what's right before us. That's what Jacob did. He couldn't just see his grandsons because it wasn't clear. But when the side of faith was present, everything was clear. It was certain. And the second point of how faith helps us see the blessings of God, it challenges our desires. Genesis chapter 48, as we read that story, we see that Jacob comes and he, he kneels at the, 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 at the, he comes and sits at, up in the bed so he can bless his grandsons. So Joseph comes to him and he positions Manasseh in a certain way and he positions Ephraim in a certain way. He puts Manasseh on the right hand of Jacob and he puts Ephraim on the left hand of Jacob, clearly saying what he wants is his firstborn to receive the higher honor. And he wants Manasseh to receive that. But what we see, that's Jacob, Joseph's desire. Joseph has a will and a desire to have it in a certain way. But when Jacob comes to bless the two sons, he does this. He challenges our desires. Joseph wanted the blessing to be this. Jacob saw the blessing as this. That the blessing that is going to come to Ephraim is the honor, the highest honor. Because the firstborn son, the one who receives the blessing as a firstborn son, receives double the inheritance, receives the honor. And what does Joseph do? He's displeased with his father. He's displeased with Jacob. And what we're really seeing from this is when are the moments in our life when this isn't good enough? When God brings into our life the way that he would bless us. Not this way, but this way. In the way that isn't normal to us. What Joseph was wanting was what society demanded. 
Society demanded that God bless you in a certain way. And the only way that God blesses you, he gives you whatever you want. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have all the wealth and all the pleasures that this world can offer. And really what God is saying, I want to bless you this way. I want to bless you in the way that in some ways is going to displease you if you're trying to have your will and not mine. And not mine. So think for a moment, when is it that God has entered in your life and did this? Has it been in a moment of sickness? When you're having pain and you're suffering or you're having some great fear? Some disease that you might have and your peace is being wrapped and you're shaken. And you're like, Lord, why don't you just tell me it's okay? Why don't you just give me a peace of mind that it's okay? And what you're really doing is this. You're saying, God, do it this way. Don't do it this way. Do it this way that I can have peace in the way that I want. I want my will. I don't want yours. But when we see God doing this, do we bow? Do we submit to it? All of us went through COVID, through 2020. We're not out of it yet, but through that age. And I saw plenty of times in my life where I thought God was doing this, but really God was doing this. I had put too much confidence and having comfort in things I shouldn't have had comfort in. I was giving too much time and focus and energies to things that were not important eternally, that were not important to God because I was trying to have my way. I wanted the riches of God in a very specific way that wasn't according to God's will. But when I saw through that moment in COVID, through that taking away of freedoms, normalities, of life, being shut in. This is when I saw this. God's blessings coming in a way that I wouldn't have wanted. I wouldn't have desired. It challenges my desires. Because God's blessings not dependent upon your desires. That's what a lot of us think. Is that God will only bless me if I want it. And if I see it clearly, but that's the goodness of God. He does it in spite of us because he does it because of him. He declares his blessing in the earth so that his name can be raised in all the earth. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Because the next time that life gets hard and there's a hardship in life, can you see that God's really bringing that to bring his glory? Can you accept that? Can you really declare that and proclaim that in life? Because the moment that you can, you're accepting this and not saying, I have to have that. The greatest moment where God did this in the life of faith is in the life of his son. When God said to us, that the way that salvation would come is not by your works. It's not by your goodness. It's not by your efforts. It's not by your strength. But it is that I'm going to have to put my only begotten son to death. 
Because in that person, in my son, I am going to show to the world how much I hate sin, but how much I love mercy. All embodied in full culmination of the reality of what faith gets a glimpse and a sight of is in the person of Christ Jesus. He is the promised seed that Jacob saw. He is the promised seed that we see. If we come to God and we say we see our perfection in ourselves, we're not seeing clearly. We're not seeing at all. Because when we come before a holy God, we don't see our perfection. We see how unworthy we are. And that, if that sight remained, we would be in condemnation and death is what the word of God says. When you see your sin before a holy God and God opens up your physical eyes to see that, you will only see one thing and that is you are condemned and dead before him. But when the eyes of faith cling to the object of that faith, cling to the person of Christ Jesus, calls out to Christ Jesus, sees that I am blind and unless God opens up that faculty, I'll never see. That organ of sight is worthless to me unless Jesus heals me. Unless Jesus heals me, that I can see the true blessings of God. And what we see is that Jacob comes to Ephraim and Manasseh. He crosses his hand. He gives the blessing in a way that goes against the desires of Joseph. And he gives it to the son Ephraim. Ephraim is the tribe, is the nation in which Joshua would come. Joshua's from Ephraim. Why is that important? Because Joshua is a foretaste, a foreshadow of the great Messiah, the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Joseph, Jacob was seeing was that God's blessing would come through Ephraim, not through Manasseh. God's blessing would come in a way that is contrary to what Joseph wanted because God is sovereign. God is king. So you're going to have moments in your life that challenge you, that challenge your desires. Good. Good. It won't feel good at that moment. But when God brings you to that moment to submit, to give up, to stop wrestling with him and see that you have overcome and give you the name Israel, you have freedom. You'll have life eternal. Your life won't be defined by circumstances. Your life won't be determined by outward things. Your identity is in heaven because it's in the person of Christ Jesus. And that's what Jacob saw. My blessing is in the blessing of God, in the promised seed. His son Joseph had been sold off into slavery, dead for all of Jacob to know. But in his life, Joseph comes about. He, he hears the son who was dead is now alive because the way that the blessing of God would come is through the resurrection. 
through the resurrection that God would bring his blessing into the world through not perfect, purebred Jews, but through a mixed race to show that his blessing goes out into the whole world and to the nations. Ephraim and Manasseh were sons that were born to Joseph while he was in Egypt. And so when Jacob can see that, wow, look what God has done. How much have I bargained? How much have I schemed? How much have I sought to get my will when all my life should have been, Lord, how do I bow to your will? Christ demonstrates that in the greatest way when he's in the garden. He's praying knowing that his death is coming. And he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. That's the message. That's the message of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life, remember? Faith has no life apart from the life of Christ Jesus. And so when we see that beautiful picture of what Christ has brought into the life of those who can see the blessings of God by faith, it draws us to worship. That's what we see with Jacob. Once he sees what's going on, he leans upon the staff, bows down. He comes before God in a posture of worship. Revering his promises, revering his blessings with the aid of something else, with the strength of something else. Because he's too weak to stand on his own. He needs something else. That's the picture of the life of faith. We don't come before God with no crutch. We come before God leaning upon Christ Jesus, resting on Christ Jesus. If Christ has given his life for me, you can be certain, you can be assured that you have life eternal. Those who come to him in faith and trust in him for his salvation, they have it. The promise is certain no matter what circumstances or hardships you have in life. But what the life of faith, the end of the life of faith ends in worship to God. Ask yourselves that daily. Does your life, when you see the blessings of God, lead you to worship? Does it encourage you to worship? If you're looking at blessings in the way that, boy, once I'm satisfied with it, and that's what I wanted, then you're probably not looking at the blessings of God in the right way because you're going to get disappointed. You're going to find day after day, I'm disappointed in what God's given me because we're not looking with the eyes of faith. We're looking at the same eyes that when Jesus came unto his people, his, peop his people didn't receive him. They received him not. They didn't want to see him. Because seeing him meant, uh-oh, the day of judgment's here. But really what they should have saw is, wow, the day of salvation is here. And so when you see the blessings of God by the side of faith, it encourages worship. And worship is more than just what we do on Sunday morning. It's what we do in all of life where we set aside, set apart God from all things in our life and we give him the praise and the adoration he deserves. Let us have the posture 
of Jacob and praise and honor our God for his great blessings. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that you give us a sight beyond this world, that if we are your people, you have promised all the blessings are ours. Lord, but let us not look beyond the one who gives the blessing for the blessings themselves, but let us worship the one who gives, the one who is loving, the one who is gracious, because you alone deserve all worthy and praise. We love you, Lord, and thank you, Lord. In your name we ask these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.